You can just feel the excitement in that gospel, can't you? The joy is palpable. Two women, one older, one quite young, both poor. Both lived in socially and economically unimportant places. Rugged countryside for one, and a small village for another. They were both faithful Jews, awaiting the intervention in human history that God had promised of old. I think it's fair to say that both didn't envision the new direction their life would take. But there's deep enthusiasm and gratitude for playing a part in God's great drama. Their lives, though unglamorous and hidden, were part of something huge and meaningful. It drew them together and inspired them to be attentive to each other's needs and condition. It expanded their compassion, fostered fellowship, and generated awe. How does this happen to me? Elizabeth asked in amazement. Faith, as characterized in this special encounter, has capacity to enrich one's life, to expand it, to give it a sense of purpose, to foster meaningful relationships and promote excellence of character, which is rewarding even if virtually no one sees or knows who you are. This sounds like a helpful remedy to me. I've been reading a book of personal observances or observations of a high school teacher he has been teaching, I think, for about 20 years in political science. The story is called, or the book is called, Hollowed Out. He tells the story from class about being denied Twitter verification. I am not on Twitter. I admit that I'm not quite sure what that means. But he said his class communicated to him of the great importance of being verified on Twitter. That's when you know that you've made it, is when you're verified on Twitter. And he said, so even though it wasn't important to me, I went ahead and looked into it. And he said, what I discovered is that there were lots of people who were well-known and who had achieved very little and were verified. He said, but I, I'll go ahead and apply for it. And lo and behold, he was denied. Now, this didn't matter to him, but, oh, his class was so disappointed for him, bummed out that he did not obtain that. He said he consistently sees that young people in high school identify fame, not necessarily achievement, but fame being well-known, having lots of followers, with being of crucial importance for their identity. He says, secondly, he notices a type of living that he calls atomized, like atoms, being next to each other, kind of bouncing off each other, but not really ever forming a we. They grew up with iPhones, where many of us grew, grew up with we phones. Right? We had to share one phone in the house all together, all the time. He said he notices atomized living in the decreased participation in community events such as Friday night football games or basketball games, which was so surprising to me. I mean, that's what we look forward to, out of the house, together, as a group, exploring. He notes also a pervasive loneliness, which is not 
unexpected given an atomized way of living, and certainly well-documented in other places. A loneliness, almost no biblical knowledge whatsoever, which I can verify for the most part even with those 60 and under. And then he said he sees typically a sense of being lost. No ultimate goal to give life meaning other than study hard. And why do you study hard? Well, to get to good school. Why do you want to do that? So you can get a good job. Why do you do that? Well, so that you can make a lot of money. And why do you do that? Well, so that you can have a happy life, a good life. The middle class script, as the renowned Dr. Leonard Sachs calls it, one that most parents and kids take for granted, one that data and life experience don't support. But they do support something else. I was just reading an article from this month's edition of First Things, which is a Catholic academic journal. It's an article written by Brendan Case. He's the assistant, assistant or associate director of the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard University. He said that they recently conducted a study and he wrote that they examined the effects of religious service attendance on tens of thousands of healthcare workers whose demanding and stressful jobs give them a higher rate of suicide or addiction than the national average. He said, after we controlled for income, baseline health, and other factors, we found that men and women who attended services at least once a week were 33% for men and 68% for women less likely to suffer deaths of despair, deaths originating from alcohol abuse, drug abuse, or suicide, less likely, 33%, 68%, than those who never attend a service during the week. Other large and well-designed studies show similar results. We have found that women who attend services weekly have rates of depression roughly 25% lower than non-attenders. Weekly attenders exhibit a five to six-fold reduction in suicide compared with non-attenders. Perhaps most striking of all, people who attend services at least weekly are about 26% less likely to die of any particular cause than are those who attended less than weekly. Being here is good for your health. <laughs> Friends, a good life, a healthy life, a meaningful life with enriching relationships and activities is not dependent upon being well-known, highly placed, or well-off, with everything going exactly as you had planned. No, as Mary and Elizabeth and life experience suggests, it's being chosen and loved by God and choosing to join him in his age-old and unexpected plan.